Hello, this is Dr. Eggman interrupting this broadcast to beckon you not listen to the new Sonic Adventure Games Club over at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. Do not sign up at the $10 DJ Toad tier to get all new episodes of Sonic Adventure Games Club. Do not support patreon.com slash supernpcradio's in-depth coverage of Sonic Adventure and those godforsaken chows. Support me, Dr. Eggman. I stand for progress. I stand for Sorry to ruin your fun, egghead, but no one can stop people from listening to the Sonic Adventure Games Club over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. Freaks love this stuff. Right, Otacon? That's right, Sonic. I just missed myself. Yo, foiled again. Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. This is a show where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to hear from them about a meaningful or memorable video game from a particular moment in their life. If you listen to the show, then listener, you'll know we talk to the guest as much about what made playing the game special or memorable uh, as we will get into the context from their life of when they had this time with it. I've got a bit of housekeeping I'm going to do up top. Uh, The first of which, uh, anything that I plug today, you can click a link in the show notes. I've made it easy so you don't have to go searching for social media accounts or our Patreon or whatever. You can just click right there. Um, But feel free to search, live your life. I can't tell you what to do. But the first of those things is that we are all over social media. Uh, We are on Instagram, Twitter, and yeah, folks, we're pretty cool. We're on Blue Sky now, so uh, we think we're better than you. Uh, You can find us there to see um, every episode that comes out on Wednesdays to see what the content is, what's the game, who's the guest, how can we support them, and also check out the cool art that I make for every episode. Um, You can also... Uh, leave us uh, a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, If people leave them on Apple, though, that's the only place I can see them publicly. Uh, So if you do leave us a review on Spotify or Google or, as I found out, like a quarter of my listeners listen on their Xbox. So if you're one of those freaky deaky people and you leave a review, uh, uh, let me know. I'd love to read it on the show uh, because it means a lot to me to, you know, one, see what people are thinking about the show and what they're enjoying about it, their favorite episodes, but also uh, it helps more people find us, so it does us a favor. You can also share the show with a friend, whether they love video games in general or the game that our guest has brought on for the main event today. Uh, you can also join the Discord for our network at Super NPC Radio. There's a link in the show notes as well. If you want to have a fun, friendly conversations with wonderful people about games, memes, music, sports, really whatever you want. Um, and lastly, you can check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. And if you like me and the conversations I have with people 
uh, about video games, you're going to love what you find there because I'm on like half the content. Uh, That is where our bonus video game podcasts live. We, of course, do a bunch of free shows like you're listening to today. But if you want to hear... For example, our Sonic Adventure Games Club that we're going through, uh, the Sonic Adventure in a book club style format, episodes release every Friday. If you want those, uh, if you want a monthly episode where I sit down with a group of people uh, and talk to them about a game that uh, we all play, um, which I've already, I will tell you, listener, locked up our guest for today for a co-op in a couple months, uh, you can find that stuff there. Again, patreon.com slash super NPC radio. If you like me, I think you're going to enjoy what you find. But that'll do it. For the housekeeping, I really took my time with that one and just let myself like sit in it. Normally, it's about three minutes. We're hitting four already, so wow. Our guest, just so patient. So we'll go ahead and welcome him to the podcast. Please welcome noted pornographer Ryan Creamer. Dude, thanks so much for having me. It's so good to be here. Hey, you're so gosh darn welcome. I'm really, gl- I'm really glad to have you. Um, and sometimes as I'm doing that, uh. You know, the opening sort of like housekeeping, which is which is lengthy, but I like to get it out there before the listeners tune out, uh, you know, by the end of the show. Um, I will sometimes like just take a little peek because I'm reading usually or I'm like yeah. referencing like, OK, this is next. This is next. I'll take a little peek up of my guest. I'm like, are they engaged? Is this boring for them? Are they focused? Are they like zenon in the zone? And I got to say, you were so engaged. You were giving me smiles. <laughs> you did it all. Dude, I got to say, I was locked in on the fact that you have listeners listening on Xbox. That's such a funny visual to me. It's <laughs> like, so it's so surprising to me. You can check your, uh, you know, for anybody out there who does a podcast, I use the service Podbean to host my show. And it is really cool because it breaks down like where your listeners are coming from, uh, not just like like parts of the world, but also what service they're using. And I had a huge jump in listenership um in like it, this during this spring that has stayed like oh, wow. our my listenership almost tri- has about tripled in the last few months which is huge and crazy and that's awesome and uh i'll say it i could use another triple uh, uh effect <laughs> there but um anyway i was like what the hell's going on looked in there and almost a third of my listeners come from xbox or playstation and i'm like are people Loading up a podcast and playing like COD, like what are they doing? But I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds. I like to imagine it's like a LAN party where everyone's got their uh, <laughs> screens and they're all listening to your podcast like together. Yes. Yeah, so like, <laughs> all right, guys, load up episode uh, uh, 152. <laughs> um, gosh, that's great. Uh, well, hey, and hell, if you're one of those Xbox or PlayStation people, let me know because I don't. I mean, I haven't turned on my Xbox in a while, but I don't know how the hell you would find a podcast on there. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Ryan, so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, I know you uh, – well, I've actually not known you very long. <laughs> We're recent uh, friends and acquaintances, and I'm going to let you pick which one you're feeling today. Um, <laughs> but we met through a mutual friend and uh, early guest on the show, Teo Yang. Uh, people will know Teo from – he's been on a handful of uh, – co-op episodes with me most recently we did um have you played ori in the blind forest i have a little bit i haven't played much of it but i do have it i convinced teo to play that with me and a couple other friends for a podcast in the spring and uh anyway we met because you two knew each other doing uh improv and stuff in new york but we went to uh uh the video game awards concert this summer we sure did. We sure did. And I got to uh, say for like not me personally, not really being enthusiastic about almost all of the games that were like 
the music was played, I A had a really good time and was B was like, wow, this music is good. I know, I know. It's all, I also hadn't been to the Hollywood Bowl. Like the whole yes. c- premise of us, like we brought like a cooler. We were drinking, we were chilling. It was such a lovely time. It was great. We took the we took the metro here in L.A. Um, I think legitimately had been ten years since I had hopped on public transportation here, and yeah. very um, you know, it, it was disrespectful to me to say this in front of a couple of uh, you know, New Yorkers, uh, as I'll label you and Teo. <laughs> but I was like, man, it feels like I'm in New York here. <laughs> i mean i did have that feeling too because it's just like man i don't ride the subway out here and it's just like um i like the subway in new york i always enjoyed it oh me too it definitely like uh i mean it kind of sometimes i think about it because i i maybe liked it too much and it was like when you're like uh, i don't know I, i'm gonna have a terrible analogy so i'm just gonna go ahead and shelve it but yeah i was like oh <laughs> oh yeah here the people use public transportation isn't that just cute or quaint um but i do Love it. And I'm like, damn, I wish we had better infrastructure for that here. Um, sure, sure. But we met at this concert, had a great time, had stayed in a, in a group chat um, uh, with Teo. And I, I was so glad to convince you, because I don't think I've talked about this on the show, to convince you two to watch uh, the Double Fine Psych Odyssey documentary. Dude, you did such a, like... The, the 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 fact that you recommended something that is essentially 30 hours of content <laughs> yeah. and like it wasn't a job to me i watched the first one and i was like i need to watch every yeah. single one of these it's it was like a defining moment of my summer oh i'm so glad how did you i'd love to know like how you watched it because i had a routine which i'll share but like or were you just like throwing it on at random times it was, uh, I guess it wasn't super routine. It was like, this is the show that I'm watching. Oh, cool. So at the end of a work day, I would probably watch, uh, you know, one to three. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what was your routine? I was doing it like I uh, have been lucky to like, you know, work from home. And when I say that is like, I'm an actor who's been lucky to book a few gigs this year. And also just basically I treat the podcast network like my job and do some sure. video editing. But um, I love, I previously had been when I'd made and ate lunch and dinner here, which I try to do most days, I was watching, going through The Simpsons. But after I finally, you know, I had heard this uh, documentary recommended on one of my favorite networks, MinMax, who's come up a bit. Um, I was like, I threw it on and I was like, this is what I want to watch when I make and eat lunch. Uh, And so that's what I would kind of do is like watch like an episode or part of one, depending on how long it was in the afternoon and then the evening and yeah, it was like I was just so blown away by the whole thing, and it made me. Teo sent that. I think it was Teo who sent the text. Was like, guys, like, is it bad that I'm? I would like throw my body at an eighty-hour work week and just like go work <laughs> in the games right now. <laughs> I know it's so funny to watch like what is clearly grueling work <laughs> at times for people, and just be like, dude, if only that was me. <laughs> yeah, just romanticizing the pain. Um, exactly. Gosh, um, but I'm so glad that you. Um, that you, that you enjoyed it so much in Teo. And then, um, like I told you, I really got into uh, the the Double Fine Adventure doc after that. Yes, um, I think I had watched that a couple years prior, oh, cool. but, but now it's like not in my memory, so I could potentially rewatch. Yeah, um, if it's not clear from for the listener, I've been on just like a crazy Tim Schafer kick ever since that doc came out and started playing Grim Fandango, uh, which I, which had you played that one before? I was late to it. I didn't play it growing up, but I played it 
probably within the past two years. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah same yeah. same here. I I just finished it, and actually tomorrow night we're recording uh, the it's August's co op episode for for our patrons cool. there. So that's me plugging it an extra time. Um, I've talked a lot about how we know each other. Um, but what do you want to share with the listener about, about yourself? Who is, who's this, uh, person of mystery today? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm psyched to do this podcast because I'm like games. I feel like have defined so much of my life. Like oh, I've cool. just loved playing games, uh, for <laughs> pretty much my whole yeah. life. And, uh, we were like a Nintendo 64 family. Yeah. Um, and you know, went to GameCube the Wii. We just graduated through the Nintendo yes. systems. Um, so in terms of my history with games, it was like that. And then college was this like people having Xbox 360s yeah. and all these games that I've never played before. Um, so, I mean, it's gone from that to now I feel like I'm in this like probably like a lot of people our age, like strategy, roguelike, oh, interesting. Like, card deck building, stuff like that. Um, but it really started with like, you know, platforms puzzle platforms yeah uh, nintendo games and that's just been part of my dna like since then i love that um killer well let's i mean i want to dive into your history i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you all sorts i'm sure you could talk about it, it seems like one of the i say this often i'm like oh this is one where we could just do this the whole episode uh sure because there's so much to say but uh before we dive into your history um would you do me a favor and uh tell the listener what you've brought on today and call me by your game the game that I brought on today is called Space Station Silicon Valley for the Nintendo 64. Uh, certainly, like this is a game I have never played like most people, I assume, but I'm very aware of. And so uh, I was really excited when you landed on. A, I mean, I'm excited for whatever a guest brings on, whether it's like Mario or, <laughs> or something more niche right. like this. So I'm so excited to get into it later. Um, but as far as uh, as your history goes, was the Nintendo 64 your entry point into games? Did you have like an older sibling who you sort of glommed onto? Yeah, I had a, I have a brother who's a year and a half older than I am. Gotcha. And my first memory of like for whatever Christmas that was, maybe it was 96, 97 when the N64 was like the Christmas gift. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have been four. And my, so my memories of it were that was kind of the, the, uh, the originating gaming memory for me oh that's so cool uh do you remember like getting it for christmas or is it kind of a blur I've, i have a specific memory <laughs> i might mis misattribute the fear to myself or my brother but i don't remember like opening it i remember us as a family playing it and yeah. i remember in bob on battlefield like at the top the big bomb with the crown mm -hmm. either uh, me or my brother was very afraid of that guy <laughs> <laughs> like extremely cute objectively not scary yes. but as a child i was just like oh my god <laughs> he's gonna kill us uh, jesus christ that game so i like i'm gonna immediately turn this back to me and the patreon but um i you heard me mention that we're going through sonic adventure right now we do a different games club every quarter at this point and in the first one we did this year in this new format was super mario 64 and so mm -hmm. 12 episodes like going through that game with a fine tooth comb and one thing that we that i do this is something i already thought but was really reinforced about replaying it was that the game whether intentional or not has some like creepy eerie elements to it oh yeah um I think, you know, whether it's like a character like that or 
like the toads telling you that they're stuck in the walls. There's so much oh, weird I stuff. Oh, I forgot about that. I remember like certainly the piano that starts <laughs> chomping at you. Yes. That I was like, this is fucked. This is absolutely fucked. Yes, I still feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, like, yeah, a lot of parts of that level, like the creepy merry-go-round music, mm-hmm. like the, I guess that level's supposed to be scary. Oh, yeah, but like, you're you're right, but it, that, man, they nailed it as far as the fear goes there. Uh, that's so funny. So um, what other N64 games, you know, outside of Space Station Silicon Valley were like some of those early defining ones for you? Well, to be totally honest, dude, like going through all the games you've touched and every like every comedy person who has had a memory with an N64 game, like they've hit them like all those (laughs) all those big ones like uh, Paper Mario was big. Um, We I think with Super Mario 64, we had Pilot Wing 64, which is. Oh, wow. Was a fun memory, but obviously not like (laughs) as fun as I think a Mario game for a child. Yeah. I think you had mentioned that one as a possible nominee for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, um, but man, yeah, it's uh, in terms of N64 games. I mean, we uh, we truly and how I found this game, we never owned Space Station Silicon Valley. We would go to Blockbuster and rent different N64 yes. games based off just like the cover alone. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I hope this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. Like one game that i remember specifically renting which is not like a niche type i wouldn't describe it as a niche title but my like standout rental for the 64 was glover did you ever play glover oh my god dude i we had glover and that is like a very underrated game I yes think. i was like i think i was fascinated by like you can you're the main character like you control a glove um, who bounces this ball around, but I remember having so much fun with it and not really figuring anything out before we re- return it. Um, yes. So that's like the rental that really sticks out to me. Yeah, that game, it's so like such a great concept and fun idea. And then I think a lot of the platforming as a child is kind of difficult and tedious mm-hmm. because you're not used to like, oh, I have to bring, the, it's essentially an escort mission yes. of the whole game. <laughs> um, but it's so inventive and like cool. Definitely. Uh Gosh, that's such a funny uh, comparison. Um, it's just like The Last of Us, uh, Glover. It's, it paved the way. <laughs> yeah. um, that's uh, that's very very fun. Uh, what was I had another question that had just like popped up uh, to ask you, but I I won't. I'll, it'll come back if it's important because you know if you sure. love something, set it free. If it's yours, it'll come back. Of course, back. of course. And I love this question that I don't remember. Um, <laughs> so N sixty four, obviously very very defining for you. What like happened in your gaming your career after that were you like a game boy kid did you was it straight to the gamecube for you we had game uh boy and played probably pokemon was like the main obviously thing there um nice we'd have certain other games but when i think of like me playing a game boy it was playing pokemon yeah Um, same here Right. Um, yeah, and then GameCube was probably the game, the system that I played the most because that's like my, ad, you know what I mean, like my adolescence, and that's the time where you're like in high school and just like <laughs> yes, um, that's the first console that I remember anticipating. Um, mm. Well, that in the Game Boy Advance. Were you a Nintendo Power household at all? We got him for a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't think like for a long time i remember having some though gotcha uh yeah i just remember being so because kind of very similar journey like we had an nes but the n64 was like my first console that i felt i had ownership over 
you know, as an eight-year-old. Um, right. But right. Uh, this, so the cube I was anticipating and so stoked for. Um, what do you remember about your GameCube time? A very funny specific, and this wouldn't, I guess, predominate how I think about this memory, but a funny thing that we had for a GameCube that I don't know if a lot of other people did have was they sold an accessory that essentially attached to the top of a GameCube. And you would lift it up, and there was like a little screen on it. And <laughs> you'd plug your controller in, and you would play it. Essentially, it would make the fucking GameCube like a Nintendo DS. Yes. So that <laughs> this is strictly so that like my brother could watch TV and I could game. Oh my god! Or gosh. that he could game and I could watch TV. Yes, I had one of these. And Did you really? Yes, and I used it uh, primarily like in the car. Oh, that's smart. Because it had like. Um, I don't know if it was a different attachment or what, but the one that I still have actually was uh, had like a cigarette lighter plug on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. Uh, it, it's uh, also fun. Go for in it. Retros- in retrospect to look and see like go from that to like a Wii U, just like this clunky progression to a Switch. <laughs> yeah, really like uh, failing upwards towards uh, what could be eventually be the best-selling console of all time (laughs) right right um that like do you remember uh when well that there was this thing that happened when they were releasing the switch i think it was like at the first presentation they did about it a couple months before it released and they were like every piece of every nintendo console has something that has influenced the switch the game boy was the first mobile one the like N64 was the first one you could play with four people. They they the Wii U was, you know, you could see the connection there. Um right. but then and then the but they never they totally ignored the Virtual Boy. It was like <laughs> which is fair, but it was like they didn't even acknowledge its history. Right, right, right. And that never happened. Yes. Um just that I was just thinking about that from what you said about the progression. Uh w- what are some like game highlights whether they were uh, like solo adventures or people games you played with others? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, highlights, and especially why I enjoy like Twitch, watching Twitch as an adult, I have such fond memories of watching my brother play games. Totally. Like, in my memory, I have more memories of watching my brother play like Ocarina of Time than I do playing it myself. <laughs> um, for the GameCube, it was a lot of... Um, a lot of the big titles like uh mario sunshine nice a lot of sports titles like any mario sports game like i still have my gamecube and i played super mario uh baseball or mario superstar whatever yes and that game rocks you're (laughs) preaching to the choir ryan uh i am looking over at my copy of that game right now um it's like i do uh every summer like well, three out of the four summers I've done this show. I've done a once a month. I'll do a uh, episode on a baseball game. Uh, yeah. I'm a huge ba- we talked about baseball a bunch uh, when we went to the concert. But uh, I do a "Call Me by Your Ball" game uh, series. So it's basically four episodes, uh, one one a month over the summer. And uh, that one was one we did last year. Did you play the Wii one ever? Uh, I don't think so i imagine it's like using motion controls motion controls um and first i was like oh i think this is gonna be bad and actually it's it was way more fun than i expected really yeah um well that let me ask you do you feel like you have a game uh, a baseball game that's not kind of like uh the show or like a license you know what i mean an uh a, a baseball game that's not that that you think is like this is so good y- yes um it, it 
so there's a bunch. Oh my gosh, I, I could I can name a lot of them. Of course, you know, you and I found some common ground over uh, backyard baseball, which we talked about. So those are some obvious answers. Hundred percent. One of my one standout for me. Well, a modern. I'll give you a modern and an old one. Modern game that uh, series that I really love is uh, Super Mega Baseball. Okay, I've heard of it. I've never played. I recommend. I I, I guess four is great, which just came out. I played the shit out of three, and it came out in like. 2020 so it was like oh great i guess i will play a full season of this <laughs> um but then one from childhood actually on the N- the n64 was uh ken griffey jr presents major league baseball oh that game rocks call call call, call me jr he said um, <laughs> that was so much of co- uh not so much of college there's an off-campus apartment where we played that game a lot and just like not playing that game communicating each other with each other with like cut cut Call me, Junior. Yes. Oh, so good. I just, like, I'm going to do the impression now, but um, I've definitely, we did an episode on that, like, in 2020 as well. Uh, yeah. But I love the opening of it was so distinct where you turn on the N64, you think you might see a logo, and then you, all you, <laughs> then you just hear, hi, this is Ken Griffey Jr. Let's play Major League Baseball. And then it goes, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you know it. But it was like. Oh, yeah. It's such a great. It's just like a welcome to the fucking game. It's so, yes. such a good intro. Oh, it's it is so good. Um, I got you a little off track, though, because you were talking about um, some, I think, GameCube highlights for Mario Baseball and all that. Yes, 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 yes. Um, um, did you stay? Well, if you wanted to list any GameCube games, feel free. Uh, if you had any shout outs, I was just going to ask you about um, where your journey went after that. Um, it's so funny to now, like, I guess I could just turn around and look at the games. I'm going to do that really quick. Oh, just so- by all means, I'll give a play by play. So Ryan is very coolly walking over to uh, a stand which has some retro games. It looks like he's got a he got a, a quick peek and now he's back at the mic. I saw one and I instantly was like, this was a defining thing, which is. A surprising one because <clears throat> it wasn't for the game itself. It was they included a mini game in the game, which was a full game, oh. kind of like a um, uh, what's the Witcher card game? Oh yeah, that I I know what you're referring to. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the game was Fight Night Round Two, which is just a boxing uh-huh. game, and we played it and we liked it. But they also just ported um, Super Punch Out from the SNES onto this game so you could just go navigate the menu and play all of super punch out on this which i never had what and so in high school uh you know it's just this memory uh recognition boxing game from the super nintendo and that was like the game me and my brother played like all summer for a summer it was so fun that's amazing i like and this was on the gamecube this is on the gamecube for fight night round two which is you know a gamecube era game and then, you know, through the menu, you could play Super Punch-Out. That's incredible. I mean, one of the, you know, very, very well-loved Super Nintendo title. Um, that's that's nuts. And so it seems like a really fun one to have, like, a summer to play to, like, get better at. Because that's a, I always found it really challenging and wasn't patient with it. But when I would put, like, an evening's time into it, maybe once ever, you're like, oh, I feel better at this. Yes, yes. It, it spoke to, I think, my brother's psychology, and I think I adopted some of it, too. Mm-hmm. He he had always been a very completionist-type person, sure. and I think that type of personality really connects with a game like this, where it's just like, the whole thing is you're failing. You're just yes. losing and losing and losing, and you only become good once you've put in a ton of time. Mm-hmm. 
um so it was just like it would be fun to watch and like get hyped when you would lose nine times to a dude and then finally beat him yes oh that's that's great did you ever play um i mean i keep asking about wii games but i never played this but punch out on the wii punch out on the wii is very good it looks so cool and it's one that i really want for my library (laughs) (laughs) honestly yeah like i think it's such a good it looks really cool Mm -hmm. and like um yeah it's just like an updated cleaner kind of look for that game i feel that's cool. Um, I would love to know um, about uh, if there's any other highlights, feel free to hit them. But uh, like, have you ever had, and I ask people specifically this who are like, who have been gaming for as long as you have and quite consistently, what's like the biggest lull in gaming you've ever had? And when was Ooh, that? That's a good question. Hmm. Um. I like to refer to this as the dark period. <laughs> uh, I do we have our first perfect record on the pod? <laughs> what this is is very funny because it's a look into my life of like I had to have been doing something other than gaming yeah. at some point. <laughs> uh, but I'm now like going back and at like the end of the usual suspects dropping a mug and being like I've gamed this whole yes. time. Yes. <laughs> um, I. I think this isn't a great answer, but I genuinely do think I've gamed pretty much throughout. Nice. I think in college, I didn't have a system. Oh, gotcha. So I would I would just play at someone else's um, room or whatever. Yes. Um, you were saying the Xbox 360 time? Yeah, yeah, that was... But that's not a great answer. I, I genuinely no, this is, don't think I have a low. Don't, first of all, um, I've, I never thought I was going to give out the award, but I actually have an award for you because I never had someone answer this. Um, no, but that's interesting in its, in its own right. And it can lead me to ask you about that, which is like, what are, what do you remember playing with friends? I'm going to assume some like Halo and stuff, but I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I found that I really didn't enjoy uh, first-person shooters a ton because I was like, oh, i playing against people that have had years of yeah. high school like experience with this. And so um, I, I played Halo, but I sucked and I didn't really take to sure. it. I do remember at the same like friend's room that I would go to to play things, they uh, very funnily were like, all right, here's the campaign to Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. We're going to just watch you play this because <laughs> this was like this formative, awesome yeah. thing for them. And I was like, I know nothing about this. Um, so that was one that was cool. Oh, nice. There's always like, I was that room where people would come play games. I mean, a b- bunch of people actually had 360s uh, as well. I-, I didn't have one yet, but I had like my Wii and my N64 so people would come to my room for and like sit on the couch and be like, can I play Smash Bros? And be like, sure. Dude, that rocks. Yeah. That's like, there's so much cool currency to that. That room is just like, it rocks to be that guy. Yeah. Um. But also, where did you go to college? You're from the East Coast, right? Yes. yes. I grew up in Maryland, but I went to Fordham, which is a college in New York in the Bronx. Yes, that's right. Uh, I was thinking Maryland earlier, but I was like, am I just making that up? Because we would have only talked about this that one night, but I guess sure. I guess I did remember. Um, uh, that's funny. such a funny memory about playing Modern Warfare 2 and yeah, them watching yeah. you. I know. It, it's fun to like have to live up to people's expectations of like, here's this crazy story thing happening. Like, dude, what do you think? Yes. Um, were they more, was there like, were they backseat gaming? Were they just like wanting to see a reaction? In my memory, it was that. It was most kind of the energy of like, and someone loves a movie that you haven't seen. They're like, dude, you got to fucking see this. Yes. 
Of course. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Well, what, you know, bringing us up a little more to modern day, like, what are your gaming habits like now? Like, has your relationship changed? Um, I- I'd be curious to hear. Yeah, I'd say like in the early 20s, because I had never really played it too, I would get into like Madden modes where it was oh, like yeah. you build, build a team and you like get cards of players. I liked that. So there was like a five year stretch maybe of like for each game, whether it was basketball, baseball or football, just doing kind of a once over of the career modes on that. Oh, that's fun. I haven't really done that recently. Recently, uh, um, it has been more of like the I'm playing a lot of Marvel Snap these days. Oh, wow. Um, I play Slay the Spire a bunch. Oh, I like like the dude, games so that you just get a ton of like hours out of. Those are so good too. Like Spire is one that we had a friend, and I there's I doubt he's gonna listen to this episode, but uh, our friend Jacques, who was preaching to us about Slay the Spire for months, maybe years, and none of us played, and then finally out of the blue, he, once he gave up, several of us started playing it. We're like you guys got to check out Slay the Spire. And he was like, you fuckers. I told you this. And, uh, but yeah, I love, I love that game. A game I've never, I don't even know if I've gotten to like the end of like the second round, but I just, I do love it. I know that's the thing. It's like the act of like making the choices and like, I lose probably 80% of the time I play the game. Yes. fun. (laughs) The act of making the decisions is fun. It is. Uh, do you play like a cert? Do you like to use a certain? Because um, I have a few character choices. Do you have one you always go with? Do you bounce around? I do bounce around. I like the silent, which is like oh, yes. the character that does poison and like shiv. Uh, that's the one I probably play more often. Yeah, those are, that it's it is was really fun in for me to do that because I feel like in most games I, I wouldn't. I mean, it's kind of got some RPG elements in that, I guess, but. I find a way that I like to play and I stick with it. So that was one where I actually branched out a bit and was rewarded, I felt like. Um, well, I'd love to know, before we you know close out this section for you uh, and take a little break, in recent memory, I know you mentioned Marvel Snap and Slay the Spire. In the last couple years, has, is, has there been a game that you've played um, that you'd like to highlight or that um, you had a particularly memorable time playing? Um, a game, well, going back to Double Fine stuff, mm-hmm. the, um, a game that I loved that, I don't know, I guess people talk about, but have you ever played The Cave? I have not. The Cave is a Double Fine game, and I think it was made by uh, Ron Gilbert, who oh. did, um... Monkey Island series. Well, yeah, Monkey Island. Um, that is a game that I think rocks, and it sounds like you're already on the trail of going through yeah. every Double Fine game. Um, but... Genuinely, any game that comes out of that studio is a game that I'm like, I need to play this. And The Cave was one that I was just like, I've never seen a style like this. There's like eight characters to choose from. They all have done something fucked up. Yes. (laughs) And you go into this cave and like figure out the story um, of these bad things that they've done. It's very cool. Oh, interesting. Uh, On the Double Fine note, my one of my good friends, Nick Park, who came on, who's been on the show a few times, uh, he recommended to me to play costume quest have you played that i have i haven't played all of it but it's such like a cute fun idea yeah he was like hey as october rolls around it could be like a fun little halloween tie-in for you so uh that's great well um before we do take a break i did i wanted to give you one last chance like is there any game or anything from your history that you would be 
bummed out to not mention before we oh, close this God. section out. Damn it. I'm literally scrolling through. <laughs> well, like, I got games, a question so for you. Okay. Yeah. Could you name your favorite game of all time or is that impossible? Uh, it's not impossible. I actually have a list on my phone of top 10. <laughs> my man. That's what I like to hear. Uh, um, my number one is Undertale. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sadly, a game I've never played, but I've played like, you know, it. I played the Mother Mother 2 and 3. So, uh, Dude, that... Uh, it, is Mother 2... Mother 3 didn't release here, right? Correct. So I never played that, but Mother 2 is Earthbound, right? Yes. I had yeah. said it like a, like a, a wasp almost. I called it Mother <laughs> 2. Yeah, but yes. Uh, no, that game is fucking incredible. I played that in college uh, and loved it. I will say... Um, I adored uh, Earthbound, played it in uh, like early part of 2019, fell absolutely in love with it. Uh, I played Mother 3 this year in like January, and I actually liked it better. Um, mm. There's, I think it does a lot that it takes a lot of like maybe the um, like issues that I have with Earthbound, again, fully adoring that game. And it, it really improved them, but there's also some stuff where like that it didn't change. Where you're like, okay, sure. could I have had more inventory slots than like 16 per character or whatever? Um, yes, yes, yes. I have. Um, I played it because I got a fan translated uh, cart. Uh, oh, cool. And played it. So, um, yeah, fully recommend it. Slash, if you want to borrow it, you're more than welcome to. Damn. So you played it on console. You didn't even. It was like not emulated. Yeah, I have. Uh, wow. I have. Do you know the analog pocket? No, I don't. It's so uh, this company and they're called Analog. They essentially release uh, hardware that can, as close as anyone's been able to do yet, natively play like uh, actual re like cartridges from those systems. So like the Analog Pocket is essentially, I wish I had it like right here, but it's essentially a like brand new Game Boy that can play Game Boy color and advanced games natively and it's got all sorts of settings and it looks Whoa. it's got a gorgeous backlit screen and um i played it like that and was just it's it was the when i got the pocket i was like this is the game i want to play first and so i ordered yeah. it um but uh uh i know i sort of got you off track i uh was there a game you wanted to mention i know we kind of answered another question uh undertale undertale, Great. Was undertale. i love it um well uh, Ryan, thank you so much for sharing about, you know, a, a brief synopsis of your history with video games. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll get into all things Space Station Silicon Valley. So I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. I, Connor McCabe, of course, am here with Ryan Creamer to discuss Space Station, Silicon Valley. Uh, every time I say that, like, game's name, suddenly I'm like, is it's not a tongue twister, but it almost feels like one. Yeah, for a game that didn't sell well, it didn't do itself a lot of favors with its name. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, I, will, I'll, I will say I was surprised at... I expected it to be like a nonsense title, but it actually makes sense in the context of the game, which it does surprised me. Um, Ryan, uh, welcome back. Like I told you, before we get into your personal history with the game, I want to do a little table setting uh, for 
uh, for this game and what it is. And sometimes I do this and it's like, do we really need to table set for the original Super Mario <laughs> Brothers? Um, but this is one of those games where I'm actually think this is going to be helpful. Uh, Agreed. So I've just got some basic stuff I'm going to share about the game. But if you want to interject or uh, share something that you think is going to be helpful as we get into your history, green light, my friend. Sounds um, good. Uh, it's th- it's three zero, and you got the green light. I don't know. It's a baseball reference. Um, <laughs> without further ado, though, I'll go ahead and just get us started. Space Station Silicon Valley is a platform video game developed by DMA Design and published by Take Two Interactive. It was originally released for the Nintendo sixty four in October nineteen ninety eight. An adaptation uh, of the game for Game Boy Color was developed by Tarantula Studios and released in nineteen ninety nine. Okay, sometimes I read these before we get on the show and I read them aloud, but that was me reading it in real time. <laughs> I got to look this up right now. No, in the Wikipedia, it has a question mark at the end. They're not sure about it. Oh, either. okay. Maybe it's, B, maybe it's BS. Uh, I'll <laughs> no. go ahead and search it. And no, yeah, I'm not finding it. anything. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe, maybe it exists. But anyway, um, uh, there was also a PlayStation port uh, developed by RuneCraft uh, that was released in 2000 under the name uh, Evo's Space Adventures. But in the game, players control Evo, a robot reduced to a crawling micro trip, uh, chip. Looks kind of like, I don't know, like a centipede-looking thing. Is that how you describe it? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, he's reduced to this after his ship crashes and that you are tasked with taking control of little animals around the environments to solve puzzles and defeat uh, and defeat enemies. Um, upon release, Space Station Silicon Valley was acclaimed by many reviewers with praise particularly directed at the intuitive mechanics, innovative level design, and comical concepts. It won numerous awards, including Game of the Month and Most Innovative Game from IGN. But despite this, the game performed poorly commercially and was unable to secure enough sales to warrant a sequel um as far as the game goes i know we talked a little bit about it but you are is there any other way you want to describe the gameplay other than you know you are a character who is sort of controlling other characters in like a mario odyssey style i mean that's genuinely it it kind of was the mario odyssey style of play i feel like mario odyssey though you as mario are powerful and yes. in this game the little, <laughs> the little chip that you are like you actively are dying if you're out as just the chip oh interesting it's just going down so you need to jump into these animals and depending on which animal you do you're trying to solve puzzles or kill other animals um but yeah yeah i think you nailed it that's pretty much uh okay um is there like i gathered from the story too that you are you know you're obviously evo this robot you're with another partner i don't know if you're doing space research or what but you crash land on this space station silicon valley as it's called with a bunch of environments any story stuff you think we need to get out there i think what i like about it especially now having gone back and looked at watched playthroughs or whatever it's so silly like it's such a silly kind of um so DMA, I think, is from Scotland, the yes. studio that made it. And it's a very kind of like Wallace and Gromity sense of mm-hmm. humor where the kind of whole plot is so ludicrous. Yeah. Like the space station <laughs> disappeared. It's been a thousand years. It reappeared. And they're just kind of sending these heroes to like go check it out. Interesting. Um, but like you quickly get the vibe of like this is a story that's not taking itself seriously. It's very goofy. Um so plot wise, it's just like it's fun how little it matters to itself. Yes, uh, that's that's so interesting. Well, 
um, you know, now that we've set the table, why don't we go ahead and dig in uh, something I've never said and will never say again. Uh, <laughs> so you were telling me earlier that you remember that this was a rental for you all. Um, was it – do you remember at all? Was it one that, like you saw that you heard about where you guys just like, oh, the cover looks cool? That – it was nice. truly that. It was seeing the cover and being like, you know – we, me and my brother, and I think my sister, and uh, when she got older, had one game to choose. Yes. So we had to come to a consensus, and um, you know, the listener can't see the cover art, but based off of it, there's a bunch of animals shooting into space, and you're like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> they are, and like the renders too of the animals, like on uh, the on the cover, is just so reminiscent of like. Uh, like er, like nineties like three D renders that were like yes. way better than what you'd see in the game. <laughs> yes, it reminds me of the. I don't know if you ever played or heard of uh, Clay Fighter. Yes, there definitely. Was, it it has the same like look the uh, cover. It does, and in the like I don't know if it's a dog or what's like front and center on the left. It's like yellow, but like it very much not quite the DreamWorks like smirk, but like yes, sort of yes, like the yes. a mean version of that. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. so interesting um i'm even looking at like the font and even the font that says space station like looks like the space jam font uh, oh my god i think it just straight up is yeah it uh, it could just be the orientation of the letters but i don't know uh anyway um uh yeah so you so you guys saw it what do you remember about, like what sticks out to you about this game all these years later i think like truly in the first level like going from cover art to a game, we've been burnt several times before. You get a game and you're like this is this is gonna be sweet, and yes. then you just like this is a game where in the first level in the tutorial, like the premise is made clear to a child. Yeah, it's like you are jumping between animals, and the first time that you do it and you realize this animal has certain powers, um, then you're just like the imagination of like oh my god, there's a whole game of these animals. I can't yeah. wait to see what every ability is gonna be and how I'm gonna use it. Um, so I just instantly remembered being like so enamored with um, one the, like design and um, you know frame of the game. Yeah. But then there's just like fun music. Like they really nail the vibe very quickly. That's cool. Uh, it, it's w what a good first impression it sounds like that this game you know made on you. Uh, that's a blast. Now um, and it kind of feels like I don't know the, when you're told like oh you can control other animals and like with different abilities it almost feels like possibilities are kind of endless i don't know if that's like was part of the wonder but no i think it instantly just made you um i don't know i think the idea that you're gonna scale in terms of the things you can explore yeah. and do and you know that early on you're just like oh my god let's go that's great is this is this a game that i mean i think i think you already told me uh that like you didn't this is not a game you finished no, but because especially being a rental, but you had like played a little bit. Yeah, it was exa exactly what you're saying with Glover, where it's like we played it and I think rented it multiple times. Yeah, um, but it's obvious. Uh, honestly, also was difficult for a child. There'd be some parts of the game that I'm like, oh, I just while I love this vibe and playing it, this is hard and I can't do it. <laughs> totally. Uh, where you know, I guess maybe as an adult, I don't know. Sometimes I go back to games that I played as a kid and I'm like. Wow, this was like an absolute piece of cake. And then other times I'm like, no, I don't understand what I should oh, be doing. Totally, totally. Um, there, go for it. Sorry. There's also one thing in this game that I have a memory of yeah. um, not working. And apparently it's just was this thing with the game where the developers forgot to 
each level has like a little golden trophy that you can get for doing something extra. And to under 100% the game, you got to get those in every level. And one level, they just forgot to, I guess, make a hitbox for it. Oh. So you, you could spawn this golden trophy, but you just could, you would stand on it and not get it. Oh, no. <laughs> so I remember my brother, the 100%er that he is, just standing in the <laughs> middle of this trophy, just being like devastated. That's so funny because, I mean, in some games, like, do you ever go through, you're playing a game and you're like, I think I'm I'm doing the thing that should get the thing or am I? And then you'll look it up and you'll be like, oh, no, you actually have to, like, do this with it. And you were basically right, but you didn't do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's um, so hard as a child to know, like, what is bad game design or, yes. like, a mistake versus, like... What am I doing wrong? It must be my fault. Yes. And in this case, just like a massive mistake by the development team. <laughs> there was something, this isn't a part of the fun facts uh, section later, but I was watching one video about this game of some YouTuber who had, who also like sort of was aware of it as a kid, but was finally playing it. And there, it had issues with the uh, expansion pack that you could get for the N64. Did you find this too? No, but I was watching clips too to just like refresh my memory and I either we didn't have that or um, my memory as a kid, we didn't have those issues. I think we must not have had the pack. Yeah, interesting. Uh, just like that. I could also imagine that being devastating as a kid, especially when you're like, I don't know, I got rid of that other thing. Like uh, tough. And I, yeah, like I have an N64, but like if I wanted to play this game, you know, I guess I could emulate it, but it would maybe be an issue. Uh it's also funny, I feel like in the game, uh, or sorry, the blockbuster culture of renting a game, I feel yeah. like I could also just be of the mind of like, oh, I got a dud. The one that I rented doesn't work. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, especially, you know, back in that time of just taking a swing and being like, well, sometimes this happens. Uh, right. A really, a, a, a definite gamble. Um, do you remember, like, I know you remembered that moment with the with the trophy. Are there any moments, um, whether playing or watching, you know, a sibling play that still stick out to you or that are like more vivid. Yeah. I mean, they have some home runs that are so teed up for kids. Like there's a rat character that you can play as that yeah. just poops and a pooping rat <laughs> as a child. You're just like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> just this is all I ever needed. I know. So amped up. Um, so I remember that. And I think this game, um, a fun thing too, is like, Oh, you would think every animal you can get to is just kind of a regular animal. Like, at, at this first level it's a dog and a sheep but pretty quickly for kind of no explanation there are animals that are just like okay this is a bunny whose ears are helicopters and he can drop bombs <laughs> like, yes and a, just a fucking apache like war helicopter <laughs> inexplicable uh yeah well, i guess that's a question i sort of have about the game that maybe you can answer which is when watching some gameplay i would notice like oh when you would attach yourself to the animal like they sort of seem to become like mechanical. Is that what was going on? Or were they like mechanical animals already? I don't know. I, they are. I think the premise is, which probably makes it a lot more digestible as yeah. a premise, is that they're all robot animals. Gotcha. Um, this is kind of like this AI zoo uh, or like artificial mm. animal zoo. Um, so yeah, because a big chunk of the game is just killing animals. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, definitely more digestible, uh, especially for kids. That makes yeah. sense because I remember... Like, it might even be that dog character that's on the cover, but at first I didn't notice it watching a video, and I was like, wait, because I thought it was just the N64 having terrible graphics, but mm. instead of walking, they're, like, rolling, like, their feet are, like, wheels. Yes. Almost. Um, gosh. Uh, well, so 
as far as like, I want to get into a little bit of the context of when you would have been playing this. Uh, can you do me a favor and like sort of scene paint the room where your N64 would have been hooked up and, and just give me some details from what you can remember about that? Of course. So I lived in Maryland. East Coast has more of a basement culture Hell than, yeah. uh, than LA. And so uh, our you know big ass block TV that was in this big wooden, I guess armoire is the word, where you mm-hmm. open the doors and like slide them back and there's this big cube TV in there. Um, this is in the basement on this kind of beige carpeted uh, <laughs> um, basement. And, um, you know, the N64 would be pulled out of that armoire and uh, put the controllers in. And I think we'd either sit on the floor or sit, you know, by the couch closest yeah. to it. Yeah. That's great. Um, were you, would, would you snack in game at all? Yeah. I actually told this recently, which <laughs> a weird thing that I did... And I couldn't really articulate to you why I did this, uh-huh. but there was a period while with our N64, maybe it's a nervous habit. I couldn't explain it. I would nibble the cord <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from, sure. the, contro- from uh-huh. the controller to the thing, and I just fucking nibbled it, and I would nibble through like the whatever rubber tubing yes. that is to the point where there's just fucking wires there. Yes. And my mom came down just being like, are you biting this, <laughs> this cord? <laughs> So that's, I guess my answer is I snacked on uh, electricity. Yeah. And, well, that's a new one. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, some at some point in college, I had another friend who had an N64 and a controller got swapped at some point. Like I had a black one, he had a black one. And I knew that I ended up with his because it was like that. Because there really? was like, I don't know if it was, I can't confirm if it was from nibbling. And I will get you an answer, but it was like near the top of the controller, like not at the, where it, where the casing meets the controller itself, but like a little ways down and yeah, there's just a couple wires hanging out. I'll tell you this as a man who nibbled through a controller, that sounds like the exact spot that I did it. Okay, cool. Wow. This is uh, some great detective work we're doing. Uh, well, so you've done a little, done a little scene painting for me, whether broad or specific, what do you remember about about like the time of your life at this time um or like even specifically playing this game what i feel about this time of my life and i guess i couldn't pinpoint exactly when we rented it but we had such a vibe of like in my head it's like this contrast between playing outside in the summer having like fireflies in the backyard chasing them like playing kind of essentially like improv as a child just making up games with my siblings and um Going from like that until the sun went down to, you know, in the tight window between bedtime, like playing these games. Uh, So it was this kind of like beautiful balance between like being outside and playing a game and then playing a game inside. Totally. Uh, You were talking about um, playing outside a little bit and, you know, sort of just like make them ups with your siblings. Would you is, is there either like. A, a game that you all remember playing, whether it was made up or like another, like would you play catch together? I'm just sort of curious about this outdoor time. Yeah, I mean, it was unstructured, so I feel like in the front yard, I would attribute to like, oh, we would play like a sport. You know what sure. I mean? We were in a cul-de-sac, and it's like, oh, we'll play like basketball or throw football. And I associate our backyard with more like improvised, just making kind of stories or games up as we yes. went. More of a theater environment, the cozy backyard yeah. as opposed to facing the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only detail, which is, I mean, it shouldn't be embarrassing. I was a child when I did it, but a character that I inhabited in our backyard was a man called He He Ho Ho Man. And he, 
His trademark was he just laughed like he he ho ho, and that's uh that's all I remember about okay, that. Okay, that is textbook game from the UCB <laughs> right there. I, th- I think he he ho ho man is in. <laughs> Uh, I did, yeah, for my Herald audition, he he ho ho, man, and it fucking killed. <laughs> hey, and proof's in the pudding. Um, that's so funny. I I remember playing growing up, um, and like with my either my sister or like my best friend in the, in like the backyard or in the house, and we also would play a ton of sports. But uh, I do also um, remember uh, like that we wouldn't. I don't remember doing too much like. And we probably did too much like character work, really, which sure. uh, I'm just so focused on that. But we would do more like uh, especially when Pokemon was big, me and my friend would like role play our Pokemon adventures. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Did, like you see, you did something similar. A hundred percent. I don't even think I read the Harry Potters, but we're just getting sticks and being wands. Yes, and like of course. Any big property. It's like, yeah, I just want to live in the same world. Totally. There's there's like a memory that my friend and I both remember and I can't remember if it was one of his Pokemon or one of my Pokemon in this imaginary adventure but one of us had a Pokemon that like died and it was we made it was like such a traumatic time for the two of us of like I think I want to say it was like a Poliwhirl or something like got like really its ass kicked by Team Rocket or something and it was just I just remember like us really taking a somber moment for that pokemon that's so funny but it's also so intuitive because like i imagine you guys were watching like the show right oh totally yes you're definitely recognizing there are some episodes where they're like oh they're really like milking an emotional moment here yeah and so your child brain is just like oh we need to have some like emotional stakes to our play yes very much like growing up um i didn't have an original thought ever it was a lot of imitation and dude but that's what it is yeah uh uh, so, but oh gosh, just hearing you talk about playing and, and stuff just is, it, it brings back the memories even for me. You forget, um, man. It's such like a cool time. Yeah, it was great. Um, we even like, because you're a baseball fan, I'll tell you about this too. Um, uh, and you know, it's the season of Call Me By Your Ball Game. Who am I kidding? But <laughs> we would even role play. We played, uh, me and my best friend, Eddie, we played so much wiffle ball in the front yard that like. We started making up our own imaginary leagues as well. So we also were like, and we'd have our batting order, everyone's stances. Like you'd be facing your rival team with these other kids from your little league that you put on this team. That's so crazy stuff like that too. We had in our cul-de-sac with our neighbors and (laughs) this kind of resembled what the original pitch for Monopoly was where like, if you play, (laughs) if you play this, like you get warped in the brain and you become power hungry. We essentially did like, uh, camp for um football like training camp oh wow (laughs) but it would be like i would be the coach and i would just tell my little sister and like the little neighbor kid like fucking run it again not good enough (laughs) sorry hey jameson be sure to actually step with your outside foot on that post route it was just the game of me being in power and them not uh sounds like a fun game if you're you it Uh, it rocked yeah it sounds great um that's gosh it's it's so fun we've gotten to get so much fun like context and game stuff um whether it be from uh, like the the game itself or like uh, contextual stuff that you want to bring up, is there anything you haven't gotten to mention about your experience with this game? Yeah, I think a very cool like design thing in this game is that um, you pretty much start with an animal in any level that is relatively weak. Okay, cool. And 
the the missions that you are given are given by like the human guy character and it's very funnily written where it's not like it's not like this um metal gear sod like you have to do this it's just him being in the ship like hey you should maybe it's like written in his language which is like uh do go to the machine thingy yeah like literally a mission oh. will be will be that and so as a child you're like i have to find the machine thingy so, <laughs> articulate yourself better please yeah 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 so that was fun but like a design thing i thought was super cool is that in order to make the level easier to navigate, you kind of need to inhabit a stronger animal. Mm. And it's hard when you're a weak animal to kill a bigger animal. Okay. Uh, the combat in this game is not great. It's kind of difficult. And when you die, there's no checkpoints. You just go back to the start of the whole level, <laughs> which is not very uh, uh. fun and easy to put the game down because of that. Um, but because of that, I feel like you have to very strategically think how am I going to like kill this polar bear when I'm a little penguin? Yeah. And a thing that the game lets you do is, you know, instead of you as a penguin going up to try to kill the polar bear, you can maybe lure a husky over to the polar bear. Oh. And the polar bear will kill the husky so then that you can become the husky. Okay. You know what I mean? It like yeah. gives you the environment to allow you to not brute force your way. You can like think through it to try to like get a stronger yeah. animal. And it sounds like a. Uh, I w all I was thinking of. A, it sounds like a reverse food chain. Of yeah, sorts. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I guess I didn't think about uh, or watch enough gameplay to understand that like you have to uh, like defeat or kill another one of these like robot animals to inhabit them. That makes a ton of sense, and that's I guess part of like what could be sort of like pu the puzzle element of it is how am I going to do this? Totally. Uh, that's really cool. Um, well. Ryan, again, I feel like I've gotten to hear just so much great stuff from you about this game and the time when you played it. Um, before we move on to some uh, post-show segments that I've got prepared for you, could you put a bow on whatever place this game held uh, or holds for you in your memory? I think that this game, I wasn't aware of it as a child, but it it is such an imaginative, creative, silly, mm -hmm. fun idea that um you know when you grow up and your understanding of big title games are like mario or zelda think yeah. great games that are incredible and fun when a game is so bizarre and weird and like unique to its voice it stands out mm -hmm. and has really endeared me to like we talked about double fine games any independent studio that is making something weird or niche um it's just like really endearing to me it, it was cool to like have such a unique different game and um i feel like it's made me in what, what I create in my life, uh, want to do stuff like that. I love that. That's a, it's really, uh, poignant and, and sweet, honestly. And it's cool to like that this sort of planted that seed for you. That's like carried forward. And now look at you, you're blossoming. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for talking to me about, uh, space station, Silicon Valley, truly a game. I never thought like, I was just like the odds of someone bringing that on, but I guess when you're 170, five episodes in i think this is a 176 uh you're, you're, it's not bottom of the barrel but you really got to go out and find those creative choices so thanks for doing that today of course man i'm so happy to talk to you about it um well before we go i do have a couple of fun segments prepared for you the first of which is of course the fact me by your game segment where i'm just gonna share some fun facts with you about the game you brought on today yeah. um the first of which well and both of these I want to shout out um, a YouTube channel. Uh, it's, it's got a, not a huge following, but they're called uh, – I'll share the link with you too. It's called Retro Logic Games. And this 
uh, guy, I don't know his name, who who runs the channel, um, but uh, made just like a wonderful video about the development history of Space Station Silicon Valley and sort of incorporated that into like the activities that he gets in uh, in the video. I'm going to drop that in the chat for you to watch later, but yeah. a couple of these facts you'll hear uh, are, are just ones that I pulled directly from it. So the first one I have titled uh, Grand Theft Auto colon Silicon Valley. Um, now, are you aware of like the tie-in with uh, GTA in this game sort or the tie-in, the connection, I guess? I am, but I, I would go for it. Yes. Yeah, so just doing a little research for this, uh, Space Station Silicon Valley began development in September 1995. And I did omit this from the table setting because I was like, I don't want to get too much of it out there. Uh, but it was uh, developed as a part of a three-game publishing deal between developer DMA Design and BMG Interactive. Um, some details about this is that, of course, there was Space Station Silicon Valley. The other two games was, a, a, I guess, a tactic, t- a tactical tank game called Tank Ticks, which might be self-explanatory, <laughs> and a little game called Grand Theft Auto, uh, the original one. Now, um, all three games were originally planned to be released on Windows, PlayStation 1, and Sega Saturn, but um, after Take-Two Interactive acquired BMG in March 1998, like uh, months before the release of this game, uh, I guess that, well, A, they were saw, they saw how bad the Saturn was doing, um, but B, I guess PCs or computers for whatever had trouble processing the, I, something to do with this game, and so they changed focus to develop it for the N64. It's so funny. It's like DMA just fucking became Rockstar North, and now yes. it's like this is the most profitable <laughs> like studio of all time. Yes. Uh, well, an unreal little um, sort of like beginning, uh, which I just never would have guessed. But there's some like creativity in this world that I can – I don't know what the developer crossover was like when they would do the GTAs, but I feel like, you know, as an outsider to that series, I can see some like links there and some creativity. Yeah, I think the creativity, it's funny because in a game like this, the uh, Space Station Silicon Valley doesn't sell well. And then you're just like, oh, man, like, it's a shame that these like cool, fun ideas don't, you know, the developers just kind of like, you know, go away and aren't rewarded. It's like, no, these people, (laughs) they got theirs. (laughs) Yes, definitely. They they stuck it out and are now doing quite fine. Yes, despite like not recognizing their original name. Um, Right. So that's the first uh, fun fact I have for you. And the second one you hinted a little bit about. Um, and I have titled Wallace and Gromit get into tech. Uh, yeah. now I guess almost, you know, also with the, there's a couple of dev team facts here. Um, the entire team for this game that we're talking about today, uh, started at the same time at DMA design in Dundee, Scotland, I guess this was like September, 1995 or so. Um, and they used, uh, Silicon graphics computers, uh, exclusively to develop this game, which heavily influenced the art style because the graphics uh, were so limited or the output was so limited, excuse me, at the time that oftentimes the strength of a machine that you're developing on would dictate a graphical style or a variation that you would need to use, whether or not it was capable or really depending on what the machine was capable of outputting. Um, And I guess that when rendering out the desired graphics that they had for this game, um, everything seemed, uh, some of the team commented that it seemed to have like a muddy, soft, uh, soft focus look. And someone even made the comment that it reminded them of the claymation Wallace and Gromit style. And so I, 
they leaned into it after that point, which his friend, whatever that guy's name is, is very reminiscent of a st- style of character like oh that. very much so like in the show sean the sheep like there's a farmer yes. that just like looks like a dumbass and it's essentially exactly what the human character in this game looks like oh that's so cool uh i've i remember seeing um i know this is a this is not wallace and gromit but i've seen chicken run and then like ah wallace and gromit movie did you watch those growing up or you do you have you seen those it, outside of sean the sheep it's very funny because uh, I definitely watched like the original short for Wall mm-hmm. or like the one where they go to the moon to eat like because it's made of oh, cheese. Oh yes, of course. Um, but it, I wasn't a big touchstone growing up. Honestly, in adulthood, now I'm watching like uh, <laughs> Aardman animation movies. I'm like, these are so fun. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, well, anyway, that'll do it for the fact me by your game segment, and I'll get us into the final one, the game recommendations. Now, Ryan, this segment is my one forced tie into the movie call me by your name where i'm going to treat space station silicon valley as your passionate summer love that you have in italy this one summer uh but like the movie things aren't gonna work out between you two and in order to help you get over that heartbreak i'm gonna introduce you to three potential new flings that hopefully have like they're all going to have something in common with the game, so hopefully that does it for you. I guess we'll see how it goes. I love it. I'm ready. So the first recommendation I have for you is if what you loved about this game, you are like, this studio DMA, I'm in love with them. I just need anything. Give me anything else they've done. I'll give it a shot. I don't care how freaky it is. I'll recommend another game for the Nintendo 64 that according to the Wikipedia article, <laughs> released like like a day before space station silicon valley which i don't know if that's true is body harvest have you heard of this game i've heard of it and it's a game that we at blockbuster would see the uh cover art for and we never i've never played it. oh wow yes so i guess you in this game you play the role of a genetically engineered soldier adam drake who you're essentially investigating and eliminating an alien attack force um that returns every like 25 years to harvest the human uh population but uh so yeah, if DMA was the thing, then buddy, they got another N64 title for you. Um, if, and I strongly considered putting Super Mario Odyssey on this list, but I was like, you know what? Too obvious. I'm going to go a little more niche. Sure. Um, if you want another game where you're inhabiting other creatures' bodies, you're taking over, you're using their powers, I'll recommend a game that I knew as a Game Boy game called Avenging Spirit. Have Whoa. you heard of this at all? No, not at all. You play a little spirit that I don't know if your character dies at the beginning of the game, but you are you inhabit different uh, like creatures and things and people to save your girlfriend, uh, sort of in a Mario's like Odyssey style game. Cool. And so you I pl- guess sorry, you go played ahead. this on Game Boy. I didn't play it, but like when we so every so often we'll do the this is more context than you need, but we'll do essentially. A, like fantasy football meets like desert island draft of like oh, a specific cool. console um it's the most fun i ever have we do four of them a year it's we're doing one actually this friday i'm hell so yeah. pumped but we did the game boy one did a ton of research on the game boy and was like what the hell is this um and it may have gotten drafted in fact but uh yeah weird game but like totally totally want to i want to play this at some point um and lastly is if what you took away from this game was afterwards you're like, you know what? I'm freaking horny for crash landing on a planet and recruiting buds to help me out. Then I'll go ahead and recommend Pikmin. You can play oh, any of the Pikmin man, games. Are you a fan dude. of this series? 
I think three I've played in its entirety, and the other ones I only played oh, cool. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but Pikmin rocks. I feel like it's uh, with four, it's like stock is just increasing. Yes, it's just like totally. a slow burn. People have taken a while to get on board with it. Yeah. It's, it's a series that, like, I mean, of course, anticipating the GameCube, I knew about as soon as it came out. My friend had it. I've, I've, I've played a little bit of one and two. I also had had three on Switch um, and played like 10 hours. And is that how you played it, by the way? I played it on the Wii U like a weirdo. Whoa. I know. Um, honestly, that's the coolest thing you could have said uh, <laughs> because I love the Wii U and it doesn't get enough love. Um, uh, but uh, I played so I played some of that and then I I got for I played the demo and it's so good. Um, really? But I need, I have it. I just haven't taken it out of the shrink wrap because I've still been playing Zelda. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'll go ahead and recap the recommendations. Uh, we've got Body Harvest, Avenging Spirit, and any of the Pikmin games. Uh, that'll do it for the game, Rex. And that'll actually bring us to the end of the show. So before we plug whatever we want um and and get out of here just want to say thanks again for doing this um this is so much fun to have you on ryan and hear from you and get to know you uh a little better uh, and bond over a bunch of stuff dude i had a blast thanks so much for having me you're very welcome um oh i know you don't have any plugs but uh do you mind if i plug a video a couple videos that you made before <laughs> sure yeah go for and it and it's not even the it's not even the ones we talked about before it's uh, as if any of our listeners like me love backyard baseball, Ryan has a couple of uh, very fun videos on YouTube. Uh, it's essentially it's like Moneyball, but backyard baseball. What's the title? Um, shoot, what is the title? Something if you like if that. you search Moneyball and backyard baseball, you'll find it. It's a great video of Ryan essentially putting parameters on the type of team he can pick in backyard baseball 2001. And let's just say they moneyball their way pretty far. Um, <laughs> but I watched it and I loved it. Um, oh, thanks, man. You're very welcome. Um, anyway, I'll go ahead and close us out with some plugs of my own. Uh, the show art for Call Me By Your Game is done by the artist Glenn J. You can find him and his other great work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J. A Y. The show is produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. If you want to give him a tip of your cap for putting some hard work into this show, then you can go ahead and listen to his podcast, Video Games, a comedy show, where the most recent episode I know I was talking about, we do our console drafts. For the first time ever, um, we are doing a draft from a year. So we are drafting games exclusively from the year 1998, and it's which this game is actually from. Yes, it is. This game. <laughs> Came out a month before uh, Ocarina of Time. <laughs> yes, uh, really paved the way for Ocarina, as we all think. <laughs> um, but it should be fun, so I know if you're listening to this, you're not going to be able to see the live stream, uh, but if you want to watch that, it'll be on my Twitch channel. But go ahead and check out his podcast feed. You can hear the version there. Um, it's, a it's, again, the most fun I have, so check it out. Uh, you can also... Uh, follow me uh, all over the place. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. And you can also follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash consiscool69. Um, and then lastly is, again, check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash supernpcradio, where if you subscribe at the $10 DJ Toad tier, where uh, legitimately 95% of our subscribers go to, you get three bonus podcasts a week for $10 a month. So it's 12 podcasts for 10 bucks a month. Um, all our Games Club series, every co-op episode, weekly Super NPCs, topical video game episode. Uh, it's great. So if you like us, 
give us a give it a shot for a month. Let us know what you think, and uh, you might find what you like. But that'll do it for this episode of Call Me by Your Game. We will see you on the next one. Bye.